Welcome to the Business That Matters Spotlight. I'm Warren Coughlin, founder of this podcast and business coach to ethical entrepreneurs who want to build a business that matters. In short, I help you end chaos and gain control over your business so that you predictably and reliably achieve the profits, the lifestyle, and the impact you strive for through a team you can trust without the stress and frustration. When you experience this, you're more confidently able to make the world or just your corner of it a bit of a better place. At The Spotlight, we believe that every entrepreneur has a unique message that can positively impact the world and inspire others to do the same. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Business That Matters Spotlight. My name is Warren Coughlin. I'm here today with somebody who's going to whet your appetite. Don Burkard is uh, with Wicked Tasty and The Better Menu that, among other things, help profile and market restaurants primarily in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me, Warren. It's a pleasure. I'm uh, I'm a bit of a foodie myself. I love going out and eating at restaurants. So anybody that's helping that scene thrive is a friend of mine, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who doesn't love good food? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So tell me a little bit. So you've got the two brands, Wicked mm-hmm. Tasty and The Better Menu. Just as a quick overview, like what do each of them do and for whom? Yeah, so Wicked Tasty is our Instagram page that we launched in Nashville, Tennessee in 2019. And the point of that page was really to showcase and highlight all the amazing different culinary options that Nashville has to offer. Um, so we moved to Nashville literally to launch this company because we just fell in love with the city. Um, so that whole brand is about shining a light on the amazing entrepreneurs, chefs, restaurateurs in Nashville. Um, and what, what, what to- makes the Nashville scene so unique that way? You know, I traveled around America for work for five years before I left the corporate world. And I have been to 41 states, I think. Um, I've dined in a lot of different cities. And I think there's two things that are really charming about Nashville. One, there's really culinary options for anyone, for any palate. Like if you want high-end Indian food, we have that. If you want street tacos from a you know, street cart vendor, we have that. It's like literally you can go any different direction and we have fine dining options. We have fast casual dining options. We just have so many different options here in Nashville. And then I think the other thing that really drew me to Nashville is it's such a community oriented city. And a lot of the people who are here and are creating businesses for themselves and for the city are outsiders like me. So it's everyone sort of embraced that community and is so welcoming to new people. So being able to join this community and help share their stories is something I think that really just drew us into Nashville. Hmm. And what do you, what do you think about Nashville drew? Like what, what is it about that, the culture of the city that makes it so interesting that that many, like that many kinds of restaurants opened up? Is it a, is it a particular hub of uh, immigration? Is it uh, something about just, yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, I'm not an expert per se on the growth in Nashville, but it's been something, it's been a trend that's been happening really since the mid 2000s um, and especially picked up steam in the 2010s. Uh, and I think a lot of it was tourism driven. Mm. Broadway is sort of the, the big place for bachelorette parties now. Um, literally seven days a week, 365 days a year, you see girls down on Broadway, you know, celebrating their bachelorette parties. And it's also just a place that people... So or bro- country- a lot of people hear Broadway and think you're talking about New York. So in, yep. in Nashville, what's Broadway? That is the main drag of country bars um, yeah. that we have. It's about five blocks long and it's just 
the place where people go to hear live music. Every single bar has live music. A lot of the bars now have been purchased by country music stars. So you have like Jason Aldean's bar, you have Blake Shelton's bar, you have Luke Bryan's bar, Miranda Lambert's bar. Um, so all of, yeah, so all of these um, big name stars have bars down there and people love to go and drink and party. So I think tourism really fueled um, the city's growth and it attracted a lot of people to the city because they wanted to get a piece of the action. Um, and really the, the city was in need of those services specifically on the restaurant side to feed uh, all of the tourists coming to town and all the locals who were moving in. Nice. And so Wicked Tasty sort of like profiles them through through the Instagram. Yeah, so through our Instagram page, we we love to share and support local. Um, you know, something that's part of our mission is literally to support local as much as possible. Um, you know, we have we've grown the page from zero followers to over thirteen thousand followers now, and we've had a lot of opportunities to partner with national chains and national brands um, who have wanted to use our influence to promote their products, and we've turned them down because for us, it never met our core mission. So it's always about promoting local first, um, and we do that through primarily photography um, and a little bit of videos. And then I also have under the Wicked Tasty brand, my own podcast. And that's really the story format where we like to bring on the chefs or the entrepreneurs, restaurateurs behind the brands in Nashville and share their story and share why they're doing what they're doing and what they're passionate about. Nice. And so what is the better menu? So the better menu is our tech brand that was developed during COVID uh, as a way to service a very important need that we saw as guests at restaurants, which was taking those QR menus. And I'm sure up in Toronto, have you guys had the QR menus when you go out to eat and you scan it with your phone and a menu pops up? Um, so we noticed that that from a guest perspective was just a terrible application. Viewing a PDF file that was designed to be like a big piece of paper in front of you now shrunk down onto a smartphone screen really wasn't the best way to yes. navigate a menu. And we were like, well, we understand that the impact that photos have, particularly good photos have on being able to sell food through our time with the Wicked Tasty page. What if we take photography and incorporate that into these digital menus? So that's where the idea for the better menu came about. Um, and really the goal with that platform is twofold. One was built as a frustrating guest, like frustrated consumer, like I said, really to provide a better guest experience for people who want to eat with their eyes. Um, but for restaurants too, it's giving them tools and access to, to, to a platform that a lot of big chains have had the ability to develop themselves in-house that they haven't been able to afford up until this point. So we really want to create technology solutions for independent restaurants at a reasonable price point that allows them to compete with the same tools and techniques that the big chains use. And why is that important to you? Talk to me a little bit off offline before we started, but you know, why is the commitment to independent restaurants such a driver for you? Yeah, so like I mentioned um, a few minutes ago, I, I've traveled all over America and eaten in you know, all these different states and different cities. And I think the one thing that anytime you visit a new place or visit an old place, like the first thing you always think about is the food. And food, particularly food delivered through the local and independent restaurants is the cultural and economic backbone of every single community. It's the place that hospitality is a huge industry here in Nashville, and it's a huge industry in a lot of cities, you know, economically in terms of the number of people it employs. And it's also just something that attracts people to the city. Like we have things in Nashville that people specifically come for, particularly our Nashville hot chicken um, or our barbecue and things like that. So, um, you know, anytime people think about a trip, I think the first thing that people usually say, oh, it was a great trip. And then the, probably the first thing they say, 
you know, one of the first things they always say is like, we went to this great restaurant that, or, you know, we checked out this really cool bar that, and I think that that, that is so important that we keep those restaurants alive and well, especially since they were hit so hard during the pandemic. And it really became personal to me too, because, you know, these restaurants became our friends <laughs> over the, the couple years pre-pandemic when we were building the Wicked Tasty page. And, you know, there, there were stories that I knew, you know, these were people that I knew personally that now all of a sudden they can't even open their business because of, you know, the coronavirus pandemic, or they can't get staff in the staff staff to be able to open their doors. And just to see them go through these struggles really like made me feel like I wanted to do something to give back to them, to allow them not only to survive, but to allow them to thrive. Good for you. And I think you're right. Like the, the big chains don't give any cultural idiosyncrasy to a community, whereas the independent restaurants are really what give it that, that vibe. You know, you mm -hmm. can, you get a feeling from a place by, by its hospitality industry. Interestingly, like internationally, like I'm talking like Europe and Asia, you know, they think when they think of food in America, they think the big chains because those are the brands obviously that have expanded there, the McDonald's, the KFCs, the Taco Bells, whatever it is. Um, so like internationally, uh, you know, a lot of them, when they think of American food and American culture, they assimilate it with the big chains. But here on the North American continent, when you travel to different cities, and I've been to Montreal a few times, like I never think about the big chains I eat at in Montreal. I think about the local pubs or the local burger joints that I go to, you know, and that's what yeah. shapes my, you know, vision and, and view of a city. And was this, were you, were you like a marketer first or a foodie first? Which, which kind of drove the, the business side? Did you sort of say, well, there's a great market opportunity here or was it more just, oh, I'm a foodie and I got to help these folks? <laughs> um, I think I was an entrepreneur. I think that's really what it was. And I think I saw an opportunity to get into a field that was fun. So my, in the corporate world, I was <laughs> in banking and I worked with data sets and data analytics with banks and sold them to, to banks all around America. And um, it, it was not the most exciting work and not something I was super passionate about. It was interesting, but it wasn't super, I wasn't super passionate about it. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I said, if I'm going to go start a business in some field, I want it to be a field that like is fun. Um, so food is fun. So the foodie came first and then I started learning the marketing stuff. And that's when I really got hooked because it, there's a lot of strategy in marketing and there's a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of different ways that you can be creative within the marketing space. Uh, and there's no one rigid rule set that you need to do this and this and this, like you could sort of tinker around and, and iterate and, and do things kind of by the beat of your own drum. <laughs> right. Now you, you said a few minutes ago that you, you know, you, you were invited or encouraged to go after some larger brands and you kind of turn that down to stay focused. Mm -hmm. Now, as a, that's an interesting, that's an interesting commitment, right? Like for a lot of entrepreneurs to turn down dollars that could be larger from a larger brand because of a commitment to a particular community mm -hmm. um, can be a scary thing. Like how did you sustain that commitment? Particularly, because I could imagine during COVID, the small, the small players may have been harder to squeeze a dollar out of, um, mm -hmm. you know, and that's completely understandable. But like, how did you manage to sustain that commitment to that value? That is a tough question because, um, yeah, I mean, it, it just was when I said, when we set out to do this, we made it our mission to help local and independent restaurants first and to make sure that we always give them a voice. And 
we just felt that at the time that we were approached to have some of these larger opportunities, independent restaurants were still struggling and it didn't make sense for us to give up part of our feed on Instagram, part of our stories on our podcast to not support them and just to take the quick money. Um, so I think, I think really what it was is when we set out to do this, it was always a multi-year long-term project. It was never something that we were hoping to bank in, <laughs> you cash in on after 18 months or 24 months or whatever it was. This is something that we are building as a company that can be sustainable for the next 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it is. And I think for us, it's like, in order to get to that point, eventually we need to have a strong foundation. And in order to have a strong foundation, you have to stick to the mission that you initially set out to achieve. Yep. That's, that's very admirable. Like it sounds very simple when you say it, but it's a very difficult thing to sustain commitment to. I, I mean, I'll say that. this too. <laughs> I'll say this too. Like none of the, none of, none of the offers that we had would have been revolutionarily life-changing too. So I think that obviously makes it easier. It's not like it was like, oh my gosh, like we just passed up this huge opportunity to, you know, pay rent for the next five months. Like it was, they, they were, they were, they were nice to have, but it wasn't going to revolutionally change our lives. So it made it a little bit easier to pass on them. We still would have regardless, but it made it easier. <laughs> um, Tony Shea who wrote the book, Delivering Happiness. He was the CEO for Zappos.com. He, he tells the story in his book about, um, there were brands that didn't want to get on board with the way they wanted to do it. And they were big shoe brands. Zappos mm -hmm. was a shoe retailer and he rejected them from being in his inventory. And it was mm -hmm. a really scary thing. But then long-term, like a couple of years later, they were knocking on his door, begging to get in. And it was just yeah, that yeah. commitment to a particular kind of service experience that drove that and it, it paid off. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad I'm, it's interesting. Now, did you, not did you, do you do other aspects of your business with that same sort of values commitment? Like, does that, um, oh, a couple of questions on that, I guess. Like, do you have company values articulated or are they just your personal values because it's a small business? And how do you use those in other decision-making beyond just what clients to work for? Yeah, so that's actually something that I'm currently in the process of working on um, is writing those down because right now, like I said it earlier, it was it is just me in the business. So, you know, it's not something that we set out to create, you know, the documentation and like the employee handbook, but um, we are actually in the process of starting to scale up, um, hopefully taking on our first few key hires in the next few months. So that is something that I'm working on actually putting down in person or in person in writing. Um, but in terms of my key values, you know, that obviously the commitment to local and independent restaurants is, is one of them. I think something else that I really want to have a strong commitment towards as well as customer service, because that is where you win. Uh, you win by providing the best customer service, not necessarily the best product. The good thing is, I think we have both. Um, so, I, you know, I think we're positioned very well. But uh, for me, customer service is going to be the number one core tenant of our business for anyone that works with us. And we want to treat, we, we always say we want to treat, we want to put people ahead of profits. That's that is a core value, I guess, that we we do have, and I hold personally. It's if you put people ahead of profits, the profits will follow. Um, yes. So that's that's what we always strive to do in everything we do, and that also includes putting people, includes putting our partners. We call our our, our customers or our clients partners. So we put our partners first, 
And we also want to put their guests first because we're touching every single one of their guests that walks into a restaurant. Right. On the people side, I've seen a couple of posts you've done on LinkedIn about people as being a driver of success. Mm -hmm. um, have you seen that play out? I mean, I know you haven't hired yet in your business, but for the, the clients you serve, like, have you seen that mm -hmm. play out in the successful uh, restaurants? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like there, there are a few brands um, that I've interviewed recently for my podcast that throughout everything that's gone on in the past two and a half years, two years, whatever it's been since the COVID pandemic, um, their turnover rate has been incredibly low when all of these other restaurants around town were losing people left and right because they decided they wanted to explore other opportunities. And the one thing that I've noticed that these brands that have had incredibly low turnover and retain their employees throughout the entire pandemic and are continuing to bring on more employees and build their teams out, um, they always put their people first. They invest in their people, whether it's investing in their training, investing in their well-being, giving them the ability to move up in their career um, or move on in their career and building them up as individuals, not just as employees. Um, those are things that I see play out in some of the most successful brands in Nashville that are growing their operations. Um, they're, they're doing that by putting their people first. And there's a certain logic to it that people fight against in in ways that often surprise me. But when you are servicing the public, to have people who are happy servicing them will just make mm -hmm. the experience of those people more enjoyable and make them more likely to return, right? Yeah, especially because we're in, or our partners are in a customer service oriented business that's literally called hospitality, which is yeah. providing hospitality to people. So yeah, <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> yeah, and it's in, in what they're calling the great resignation as well. It's, uh, it is a competitive advantage having uh, an organization that cares for people who don't want to mm -hmm. leave. Mm -hmm. Now in the, in the work you've done, can you, uh, like, is there a, a particular success story maybe you've had with a restaurant or, or you know, an anecdote about, the impact that better menu has done yeah so um one of the things that always makes me happy is getting unsolicited feedback good or bad honestly i just i appreciate feedback but um, one of our partners anzi blue they were um one of our beta partners who are now on our our live platform and i'll hold this up here i don't know if this is going to go to youtube or what, whatnot but that qr code if someone scans it they can go to uh their their menu but they posted on instagram a, a few weeks ago a couple months ago maybe at this point um just basically saying that the last two years has been incredibly stressful for their business and as small business owners um and basically the gist of the story was our platform gives them the ability to show off what makes their restaurant unique, which is Chef Star's food. Uh, their chef is named Chef Star. And they say that it makes their guests very happy to know what their food's gonna look like. And they say sometimes it is just the little things in life working out that makes your day really happy. And I don't know, it, I, I'm, I'm butchering it, uh, paraphrasing it, but we've, we've seen a lot of our partners hear from their guests that they love the experience of using our tools um, yep. and that they love being able to see what their food's going to look like before they order or know exactly what their cocktail is going to look like before it comes to the table and things like that. So uh, that's a success story that we've heard from multiple partners now um, that, that it's a service that they're providing to their guests and that their guests are loving and it's improving their guest dining experience while also allowing them to elevate their own brand. Nice. Now, is there, is there much competition in your space? Yeah. Um, 
Definitely. And we're still trying to figure out exactly what we are as a company. Um, because I was going to ask you, like, what's your secret sauce that makes, yeah. <laughs> makes your clients want to deal with you? Because, you know, at the end of the day, like if you want to boil it down to what we literally do is then I'm going to talk about the better menu platform specifically. If you want to boil down what we do, we provide a digital menu platform for restaurants, but, and there are, and there are plenty of competitors out there who are doing something similar. Um, but I think in the grander scheme of things, what we're trying to build ourselves as, is we are trying to build ourselves as a content company, mm-hmm. a marketing company and a data company. Those are the three things we're trying to build ourselves around. Right now, our vessel for bringing that to market is through a digital menu. Um, But I see so many different ways that we can build upon this technology to do those things I just mentioned, to help restaurants market better, to help them use data better and more strategically, um, and to produce tons of content that supports and promotes the local and independent restaurant space. So, Yes, to answer your question, there are tons of restaurants, or excuse me, there are tons of tech startups in this space. Um, But I think the way we're trying to position ourselves, we're trying to stand out, be different and take a different spin on it and provide a service that, you know, because we're so closely connected to the restaurant space that I think is going to resonate and already is resonating with, with our partners. So do you do kind of marketing consulting as well? Yeah, so a big part of what I want to build into this company um, as part of our values is our customer service. Um, and that's something that I'm bringing with me from my prior life in the corporate world. And something that made me incredibly successful on the sales side there um, was our customer service and always being there for our partners and helping them um, be more than just a vendor to them. You know, we don't want to just give our partners this menu um, with all the different firepower we provide them on the back end. And so we have a bunch of analytics stuff that helps them understand how guests are navigating their menu um, so they can make sure that things are positioned correctly. And then they can retarget guests through their social media channels with the appropriate messages about the right dishes, et cetera. Um, but we don't want to just hand them the keys to the car and say, go figure out how to drive it. We want to work with them hand in hand to help them you know, move that forward. Because at the end of the day, like these restaurateurs, like they're chefs and, and they're creatives. That's what they're incredibly good at is building their brand and putting amazing food on the plate. Um, a lot of them aren't marketers and that's a skill set that they lack, which is totally okay because we can't be everything. Um, but we want to help them fill that need and fill that gap for them and work with them because we see how other restaurants are using the, these tools and using these strategies and we can help them do the same thing. Great. Now, I just wondering if you can, there's probably people listening who either have or have considered or are considering opening a restaurant. So you've worked with a bunch of them and you've seen people who are successful and you've seen great restaurateurs and probably some struggling. If you could share with either existing or prospective restaurant owners, just one or two lessons you've learned from watching, uh, you know, what, what should people bear in mind in the restaurant business to increase their likelihood of success? Yeah. Um, anyone out there that is a prospective, prospective restaurant owner, I think the thing to realize is just because you can cook something doesn't mean you should open a restaurant. <laughs> that is the first the first thing, you know, owning a restaurant is a business. Yes, it's a creative business. And yes, it is, you know, you're putting food on a plate and that's what's dictating your customer's experience and whether or not they return or not, you know, is based on the quality of your food. But in order to get even get to that point, 
you need your business systems and operations in check. And I think that's what makes the difference between a restaurant that succeeds and a restaurant that fails. A restaurant that succeeds takes three to five years before they even open their doors to iron out all of the business stuff. Like all of the successful businesses that I've talked to down here, they have taken multiple years to build the business plan, you know, build out their space in the correct way, build their brand, figure out exactly what they want to do from like a core tenants perspective. And when they hire people and how their team culture is going to be and things like that, before they even develop a menu, then they develop the menu, then they build out the space, then they open their doors. So it's not an overnight process. Um, and I think the ones that fail are, are tend to be the ones that go at it way too quick and they don't have the business side in check and they just think I'm going to put good food on the table and people will come back. And if you try to do it that way, it's going to be really, really, really hard to create a long-term successful restaurant. Good advice. Now, I always do a little bit of a rapid fire near the end of these. Let's do uh, it. So one decision or action that most helped you get where you are? Trust your gut. If you had to do it over again? Be better, be a better financial steward <laughs> of my money. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Is there a story there? <laughs> um, we just spent too much too fast. Um, I'm doing this all off my own personal savings. And I think we put the cart before the horse in a few things and we invested in a few things a little bit prematurely. So I think, you know, I would maybe not be as enthusiastic about jumping into some things. Um, I'm not going to go into the details, but um, yeah, yeah. before before I do that, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, seriously, I was speaking with a client this morning and it was all about right now, it's just cash flow projections to understand what decisions you can make and can't make over mm -hmm. the next three months. And it was like a revolutionary idea for them. <laughs> mm -hmm. On the days you enjoy most, you can be found doing what? Working with our partners. One aspect of running a business you've yet to master. There's like a million things here. <laughs> um, I would say like the number one thing I'm learning to master right now, and it's obviously going to be the most critical as a solopreneur is the sales side and figuring out how to message our product appropriately. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right on. Last two questions. Uh, one personal quality that you most had to improve or overcome. Um, I think, gosh, I don't know the word for this, but the ability to just slow down, take a deep breath and like think things through without being so impulsive. <laughs> yep. Quality decision-making and one personal quality that most contributed to your success. So no false humility. What, what do you rock at that made you successful? I think self-awareness. That's what people always tell me. Um, and I, you know, I, I think I no, that's can funny, recognize. The way you just said that. <laughs> Self-awareness. And I learned that because other people told me. <laughs> no, well, you know, no, but it's something that people tell me all the time. It's like, I know it's true. And, and I do think that it, it's a double-edged sword because like, sometimes I feel like it contributes to a little bit of a lack of confidence. Like, it's like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing here. So like, I'm going to maybe shy away versus when I should just take the plunge. But um, I, it has given me guardrails throughout my life. We'll say that um, where it's like, sometimes I realize when I'm in need of help of something and I go get the help rather than just trying to pretend like everything's fine and just plowing through. <laughs> right so is there anything else you'd like people to know that we haven't talked about? 
Um, you know, just keep supporting local restaurants wherever you are, whatever city you're in across the country, across the country, across the world. Um, support local your local restaurants uh, because they're still working their way through the post-pandemic stuff, and you know they're they're what make your community unique. So support them. And if there's a restaurant outside Nashville that thinks they might like to, you know, use the kind of service that you offer, are you available for them? Yeah, absolutely. That's the great thing about tech is you can use us anywhere on the face of planet Earth, <laughs> as long as you have internet connection. So you can go to thebettermenu.com to learn more about all the services we provide there and also book a demo with me. Or you could shoot me an email directly. It's dan at eatwickedtasty.com. One word, eatwickedtasty.com. Right on. Thank you very much. It was really enjoyable. And I wish you continued success with the business and in helping all those restaurateurs who need your help. Thanks, Warren, for having me on. Cheers. Hi, it's Warren Coughlin here. Thank you so much for listening to the Business That Matters Spotlight. If you're a successful, values-driven entrepreneur who makes a difference while making a profit and you'd like to be on this program, please visit warrencoglin.com slash podcast slash apply. That's warren, C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N dot com slash podcast slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, would you do us a favor and share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Business That Matters Spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, warrantcoglin.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, facebook.com slash a business that matters, and Instagram at warren.coglin. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.